North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. Blog Talk Radio. It's that time again. You've tuned in to Dr. Low Radio. You know me. I'm Dr. Lauren Noel. I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me for another show tonight. I'm really excited about this show because I have a good friend of mine on back on the show to talk all about one of my favorite topics, which is hormones and adrenals. And I just love all this. It's just fun. Plus, it's going to feel like just hanging out on the airwaves. So very excited for the show tonight. And um, some people have actually called us twins or sisters because people get us mixed up when they would see us in the, the halls at school years ago. So kind of fun to have my twin slash sister back on the air. Before I announce my guest for the show tonight, just want to give you some fun announcements. If you guys haven't heard the last few shows, I've given an exciting announcement about the Shine Retreat coming up in the probably March or April. We've kind of had to play with the dates a little bit, but it's coming up in the spring. It's going to be down in Nicaragua. So if you'd like to join me down there and doing some pampering, some healing, probably really great for the adrenals. And we're going to be doing lots of really healthy food, yoga, beach time, you name it, we're going to be doing it. So if you want to be in the loop on that and those details when we release those, go over to shinenaturalmedicine.com. Sign up for our email updates, and we'll keep you in the loop. We'll be releasing that information very soon and taking um, names. So that's really exciting. I just love any opportunity to travel. I feel like I'm just a natural jet setter anyway, so it gives me an excuse to to get international. Um, What else is coming up for me? I'm actually heading to Vegas this coming weekend for the A4M conference. That's the American Association of Anti-Aging Medicine, so I'll be learning more and more about the adrenals and hormones, and so if any of you doctors or medical students are going to be there, definitely pull me aside and say hi if you see me. Very fun stuff. I'm all about the brain candy and learning more and more, and also if you guys have been listening to the show and you hear about some of the things we're talking about and you want to maybe look a little deeper into your own health and want to do some testing and kind of get to the root of things, I'd be happy to work with you. I work with patients locally here in San Diego and all over the country. So check me out, shinenaturalmedicine.com. You can learn more all about that. Let's dive into the show tonight. We have my good friend, Dr. Carrie Jones, on the show. She is an amazing naturopathic doctor. She was one of my um, instructors in school, actually, my gynecology teacher, actually. And um, she is really an expert in this area. She's very passionate about hormonal, adrenal, thyroid health. And she really looks at the body as a whole, which is very in line with the way that I typically look at patients, too. She believes that really hormones can be out of balance at any age. It's not just about being menopausal or post menopausal. It could be at any age. She graduated from the same school as me, National College of Natural Medicine. She also went on to get her master's in public health as well. She wanted to really take this more into international work and empowering people and educating. She also did a residency in women's health, endocrinology, and hormones. Dr. Jones regularly consults, lectures, and writes on the topics of hormones, thyroids, adrenal, um, digestive issues, autoimmune, and more. She's the medical director at Precision Analytical Inc., the world's leading laboratory in dried urine urine hormone testing, testing, that's right, dried urine hormone testing, which we're going to learn a little bit more about that tonight because I'm fascinated by that. Dr. Jones, welcome back to Dr. Low Radio. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. So good to have you back. What's it been, like three years or something? Long time. I think 
a long time. And I didn't know you were going to A4M. I forgot. Are you going? I'm going. I think we actually texted about that, and then we both forgot. So I know. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Yay! We get to hang out this weekend. Yes. That's so cool. I fly, in, I fly in on Friday at the crack of dawn and leave on Sunday. Cool. Yay. That just made everything well, better. You. That's so cool. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, who would have known? Okay, cool. Well, let's dive into tonight's show. I know that we learned a ton about adrenals in school. We talk about it all the time with patients. It's kind of this buzz term. I know in this paleo world and the health kind of sphere about adrenals, adrenal fatigue, adrenal dysfunction, adrenal dysregulation. And typically the way that I tend to hear about it in the health kind of world is about how you have strong adrenals and then eventually they become weak and then you have adrenal fatigue, you know? Or they or yes. they get hyper, you know, stimulated and they're high long enough and then they become flatlined. And so I think there's a little more to the story with that. And I, I saw a, a video you did recently that there's there's more to it and it, it involves other parts of the body and it's not so simple. So let's kind of take a step back. What do the adrenals really do? What's their what's their role? What's their function? And let's kind of talk about how they get off track and maybe a little differently than what we tend to think of it. Yeah, absolutely. See, I think what people tend to forget about the adrenals is their job is to respond to stress, but they don't themselves respond to stress. They're told to respond. So the adrenals, you know, that we have two of them. They sit on top of our kidney, but they get direct input from the brain. So the hypothalamus tells the pituitary to tell the adrenals to either put out cortisol and DHEA, um, norepinephrine and epinephrine, plus some other hormones, or not to, depending on what's going on. And so a lot of just what you were saying, people say, oh, I have really strong adrenals, or I've been working on my adrenals for a long time, or Mm -hmm. my adrenals are shot, you know, I have adrenal fatigue. It's like, okay, I absolutely believe your symptoms, no doubt about it, for sure. And I'm sure stress is a huge issue, whether it's um, health stress or mental stress, emotional stress, environmental stress genetic stress, um, that definitely adds up over time. But I just really want to remind people, like, it's not the adrenals. Um, they don't just give out. They're, mm-hmm. It's usually more systemic than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we hear the term, like, your adrenal reserves or your, you know, kind of like your, your bank account of your adrenals. You just overdraw that and that's it? Or what, what's the whole story with that? <laughs> right. And actually, it's more not so much about reserve as it is about communication. We do have a reserve of norepinephrine and epinephrine that are we feel when we get that fight or flight response. When you almost get in an accident, when you um, get some news that you don't want to, you have that immediate response. And it's that, it's that flood in the system of the reserved norepinephrine and epinephrine. But the secondary response is when the adrenals make the cortisol and DHEA, which is not reserve-based. And so then what I tell people is it's not so much – I mean, I, I do use the analogy the bank because most people can understand and relate to that. Like, okay, I need to mm-hmm. slow down and not be so stressed out and say no and take care of myself. But really it's about communication. I'm like, is your brain really talking to your adrenal glands, is that communication broken down? I mean, are we looking at the whole system versus just focusing on one gland? Is it really all the adrenal's fault? Right, right, and it's huge. I think that the brain is is overlooked a lot, which is interesting because we're using our brain right now to think about it, and we forget about our brains all the time. <laughs> so how do we bring the brain into the conversation? I mean, what I know we, we talk about, okay, resting or taking adaptogen support, you know, just kind of the typical things. Or if you have low adrenals, take licorice or, uh, you know, ad- um, maybe some glandulars. I mean, that's kind of like how a lot of 
holistic doctors will do it or, you know, health coaches and stuff. But how do we bring the brain into the conversation? Which and that definitely goes into play with some of the um, the testing at the lab that I work for, and some of the changes in the way that um, healthcare is looking at how to test the adrenal glands. So when the adrenals make cortisol, they make it. it it's it's kind of like testosterone. You know, there's there's total cortisol made, and you know, there's bound and unbound, so to speak. And so when you're doing typical testing, for example, like when you're doing maybe saliva testing or for perhaps serum testing, you're only getting what's free and available, which tells you the picture in the moment, but it doesn't tell you if you're actually producing cortisol in the first place. And so it's really important to look at that sort of total metabolized cortisol. Can your patient, can your person, can you even make cortisol regardless of what you have free, because if you can't make cortisol, if, you're, if your cortisol load is really low, then it's either the hypothalamus isn't talking to the pituitary, so it's not going downstream, or the pituitary is not telling the adrenal, or there is a chance the adrenal is just not communicating very well, and it's not putting out cortisol. The other mm. thing that people tend to forget is that fat tissue, and of course obesity is a big part of the American way now, um, but fat tissue can take cortisone, which is inactive, and convert it into cortisol. So these people become in a hypercortisol state, not because their adrenals are pumping out, but because their fat tissue has taken it upon themselves to make a whole bunch of cortisol. And so then it perpetuates the cycle. These people can't lose weight. They feel stressed out. They're blaming their adrenals. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Part of that is really true, but we need to look at sort of the whole picture. One, do you even make cortisol? Two, are your, is your fat tissue making too much cortisol? Three, where is the communication problem? And address from there. Fascinating. So if a patient gets, let's say they do a salivary ad adrenal test all day long, they, they collect, collect their spit throughout the day, which is a very common test done, and I, I, do, I still do the ton of that. So if someone has, you know, flatline adrenals, it could be that they're making enough cortisol, but they don't have enough free cortisol. Is that correct? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, th exactly. So they could be making plenty. They might be making mm -hmm. too much, but there's only very little free available. And there are different scenarios that would um, make that happen. And so mm -hmm. they maybe look low cortisol. So you're like, oh, my gosh, give them licorice, give them glandulars. And in some people, it works great. And maybe mm -hmm. in some people, they take licorice and they're like, oh, my gosh, I feel horrible. Um, I feel revved up. It's made my anxiety worse. I can't sleep. Now mm -hmm. I feel fight or flight all the time. And you're like, well, that's weird because your cortisol so low. It's like, well, okay, only their free cortisol is low. Maybe they're making a lot of cortisol. And it's a, it's a clearance issue. And so it just becomes a different way to evaluate the adrenals as opposed to just focusing on that one aspect. Yeah, that, that's Now, really that one aspect is still important. We still want to know how somebody looks through the day. We still want to know how, you know, maybe they have high cortisol at night and that's why they can't sleep. Maybe they're high cortisol on that sort of pattern. You know, when we do some salivary or dried urine testing and we're looking through the day, we want to say, do they have a normal circadian rhythm? Um, mm -hmm. That's very important, but it's only part of the picture. Mm. So doing both the tests can give a full picture of the hormones and how they're being cleared. Exactly. Exactly. So cool. And can answer I was talking a lot of questions about, too. Yeah. I was, I was talking about the dried urine testing in the office today and my assistant said, well, how do you dry it? I just messed with her. I was like, well, you blow on it. And she's like, oh. I was like, I'm just kidding. So people are actually, is it is it that they're collecting their urine and it's it's like on a, like on a little card, cardboard? Or how do they do the dried urine testing? 
It's a little cardboard. That's cute. You blow on it. No, it's a hairdryer. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so there, it. it's filter. It's filter paper. So you, I tell people there's small pieces of filter paper attached to a bigger piece of paper, and I'm I tell women it's which is really easy, and men have no problem with it because they like to pee on things. I'm like you just <laughs> saturate it. You just it's like peeing on a stick. You know, for women who've ever peed on a pregnancy test or an ovulation predictor kit, it's or peed in a cup, you know, for a urinary tract infection, it's kind of the same idea. You just pee on the mm-hmm. stick, let it air dry, and then mail it in. Okay. And then that, that collection that you send in, what can you what are all the different pieces of data you can get from that one collection? What can you get from that? It depends what you're looking for, but a complete test, if you want to know everything. The great thing about urine is that you can collect the metabolites after it's gone through phase one and phase two detoxification. And so, for example, if you are testing a woman's estrogen, so you can get her three estrogens, her estrone, her estradiol, and her estriol, but then you can also look at her phase one metabolites, so her two, her four, and her 16 hydroxy. So especially if you have a woman, maybe you're concerned about cancer risk, um, or how she's clearing her estrogens out, that comes in the test. And it also checks the phase two um, part of estrogen, which is methylation. Um, mm-hmm. So let's say you have a woman that maybe has MTHFR mutation on that gene, or um, you, maybe she's done genetic testing and she finds out she has some other genes like the COMT, the COMT, so it's affecting her neurotransmitters, and now we find it's also affecting her phase two of her estrogen. And so that will be on the test. Um, tradition, like progesterone, you can check testosterone. You can check um, the downstream metabolites of DHEA. So commonly in the serum, we'll check, or in the saliva as well, we'll check DHEAS, so the sulfated form of DHEA. And I find that people often forget that DHEAS is, um, n- is not DHEA itself. So the body makes DHEA, sulfates it. And then DHEAS is what floats around. And then when it needs DHEA, the DHEAS goes to the tissue. It unsulfates it, becomes DHEA, and then is usable again. So the DHEAS does give a really good idea of kind of what, how much is available, but it doesn't give us an idea of is, is it being properly used, is it being pushed downstream. And because of urine testing, because it's going through downstream, um, you can catch that, which is really helpful. So you can get kind of a wide variety of stuff. You can get melatonin out of it, which is great for people who have sleep issues or cancer risk. And then do you just do it like a one-day thing, or do you do it throughout the month or a certain time of of the cycle? You do it just like a one-day thing is the most common, just like you would do maybe a saliva test. So on your standard woman, it's day 19, 20, or 21, and in a man, he can do it any time. We do have for people who have irregular cycles, they definitely do the test where they pee on the strip every every day or every other day through their cycle, and then we graph it out for them. So cool. I love yeah. that. And then we still give all the same information, so we still let them know, you know, do you ovulate, and then do you make estrogen, and where does your estrogen peak, and maybe why you can't get pregnant or why you have severe PMS or what's going on. It's a great test for anyone who's been doing bioidentical hormones and maybe doesn't feel really balanced out or just feels like they don't tolerate it very well. It's a great way to see how, you know, which direction these hormones are going if it's metabolizing in a in an unfavorable way, right? Yeah, absolutely. It definitely, and especially your patients who maybe they've had a personal history of cancer or a family history of cancer and they're concerned. Or um, we've I've had a few patients who had cancer in the past and they want to know 
you know, can they go off of their treatments? Um, how are things looking? How is their, how is their liver handling everything when it mm-hmm. comes to estrogen? And so um, it's a great way to evaluate that for people. Yeah. And so, so you talk about how there's the brain connection with the hormones and, or with the, the adrenals. And so going up to the kind of the top part of the, the, you know, the whole river that's coming down. So the, so the top part, which is the brain, what, what can affect the brain's function when it comes to the, um, you know, this whole pathway or the, the um, adrenal kind of physiology? What are some of the things that can get put this awry that might be a little bit different from maybe just the things we typically think of that stress out the adrenals? You know, that's a really great question. So I've been doing a lot of research into this, and there's some common everyday things that we forget about that affect the, like the hypothalamus. For example, Accutane. Like how many Mm -hmm. patients have done Accutane for acne? Accutane has actually been shown to um, kill cells in the the hypothalamus. And so um, it can induce kind of like an Addison's picture in some people or a sort of sluggish-looking Adrenal gland, believe it or not, especially if someone's done it multiple times or they had a bad reaction to it for whatever reason, or for whatever reason. Um, and we just don't think of that, right? We're like, Accutane, absolutely, you know, helps acne, mm. go for it. Um, right. Other big ones, as we know, are, are corticosteroids. And we commonly think, oh, prednisone, prednisone, of course, prednisone. But people forget that they're doing asthma inhalers. They're doing um, allergy, you know, nasal sprays because that's allergy season or they have, you know, a runny nose all the time. Um, People forget they're putting on cordate cream for their eczema and do it often and don't even think about it, and then it's suppressing their adrenal function. And we see it in testing. People will write down, oh, I take this allergy nasal spray every day or most times of the week, or, oh, I have bad asthma, I take, you know, this inhaler, especially this time of year. And, man, do we see it suppress the adrenal glands, especially, um, you know, the whole feedback, and so the person is unable to make cortisol in the first place. And, and then they're just exhausted. They just feel worse and worse and worse. Fascinating. Um, where, where do other toxins one are, come into this? Toxins are a big one. Toxins are very suppressive, of course, mm-hmm. you know, they, and, and do a lot of um, damage, um, especially when you look at inside the cell, inside the mitochondria, a lot of conversion of it, to make a hormone, a lot of it happens inside the mitochondria of a cell. And so if you already have damaged mitochondria, like maybe you've been exposed to things, um, you know, environmental agents, then you're not going to be able to make your hormones, any hormone, not just cortisol, any of them, um, because your mitochondria aren't healthy or they've died and you don't have that many of them left. And then you're left without very good hormones as well. And we see that too in all testing. I mean, you'll see it. People will say, you know, they've lower estrogen or lower progesterone. They have trouble getting pregnant. They're having a rough menopause. Their adrenals look poor. Come to find out they have a toxic history or perhaps they've done testing, um, some sort of either heavy metal testing or environmental testing, and poof, it's killed yeah. off their mitochondria. Mm-hmm. And that's not like, you you know, low mitochondria, you're just screwed. I mean, you can you can build those things back up. The body heals and you can create more mitochondria. So there is hope, yeah. but it's about figuring yeah. out that that's the root issue. Exactly. Yeah. You have to go to a doctor who who knows to look for that or ask mm-hmm. about it in your history or, you know, helps you build your little mitochondria back. Build those little powerhouse. Build, exactly. Build them up. So, build them up. you know, there's other things, too. I know that, you know, like opioids or injuries to the brain, right? Yes, which is really scary because how many people have had car accidents where they've hit their head or falls? 
sports mm-hmm. injuries um, definitely cause uh, lots of communication issues, especially in the hypothalamus, so the hypothalamus down to the pituitary. So the adrenals might be waiting there normally, healthy, no problems, and yet it's the hypothalamus issue because of a prior um, brain injury. And it doesn't appear to have to be a massive brain injury. It doesn't have to be um, um, a severe, you know, traumatic brain injury. It can be more of a mild, maybe a mild concussion, um, mm-hmm. which is really unfortunate in the sensitive person. And then opioids. There are plenty of people who take, you know, pain, these pain medications um, and that too, that will shut the whole system down. And, mm-hmm. and they don't even realize it because they're doing it for something else. Like, for example, maybe they have migraines and they're taking tramadol when they need to, or they've had an accident or maybe a surgery. So they're taking, um, you know, something that's hydrocodone based or oxycodone based, and then they're totally wiped out. And it's, they've, it's just a feedback in their system. Mm-hmm. I can absolutely relate to that. I know about a year ago I had a really bad back injury, and I was on um, Percocet for like two or three weeks, And which I know some people take that for a lot longer, and I was so freaking tired. It just was yes. wiping me out. I was getting brain fog and memory loss, and it was like I just felt <laughs> like I was walking through quicksand. Turns out is the Percocet effect on on the brain, quite literally, shutting the whole system mm-hmm. down. And you right. know it's it's a it's a um, it's a kind of a protective mechanism in a sense. So the right. the body's like, oh, you're you know, this is how I picture it in my head anyway. This is the analogy I have. Like, oh, you're on pain medication, you must need to slow down and rest and heal. So mm. we're going to make you do that. We're going to force you into that. Right, it makes sense. But yeah, yeah, and just like you said, you were only on it a short period of time, but we've seen it show up in lab work. Um, mm-hmm. even quicker, three, four days, maybe, you know, somebody's on hydrocodone three, four days for whatever they had their, you know, wisdom teeth removed and it doesn't matter. It can shut down the system. I'm so excited to do this test. I know you've wanted me to do it for a long time. So <laughs> you're such a bad doctor. <laughs> I know. I just need to, I needed to have this conversation with you because I, I'm, I'm just really excited to get this panel done. I'm sure a lot of people listening are too because it's, it's just you get so much more information. And it's not like doing, you know, blood testing or saliva testing doesn't have a value, but bringing it all together and looking at all of the different routes of how the hormones are tested, I think is really what it's all about, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, from the bigger picture. Okay. Now that people are listening and they're like, oh, my gosh, my brain is totally screwed up. I've done opioids. <laughs> I had a car accident. I had high mercury. I, did, I Accutane. took Accutane. You know? <laughs> I did an <laughs> inhaler. I'm just screwed. What What can they do at this point to, you know, heal their brain, and then which allows the adrenals to heal too? Like, what can we do? Well, so one of the things I want to say, though, is that, like, the average person who who – is checking all those boxes off, right? Oh my gosh, I've done all those things. If they don't have any adrenal issues, if they're feeling pretty healthy and going pretty well, then they're then they're fine. Like it's okay, it's fine. It's mm-hmm. definitely very individualized. You know, if you have somebody you're talking to who it com- they're very ill or tired or you know burned out, so to speak. Um, and you're talking to them, and they're, they are like, oh, yeah, I've had two car in- accidents where I've had concussions, and I have a history of Accutane, and I have, you know, exposure. It's like, okay, in your case, because of your, you know, epigenetics, here's what's going on. It appears to be really affecting you over the, a different person. Mm-hmm. So it's not like somebody's going to go, oh, gosh, I had a car accident when I was 16. 
I'm screwed for life. It's like, no, no, no. Right. <laughs> you're pro- if it hasn't happened yet, it's probably, you know, you're probably all right. And I love but that you said epigenetics oh. because we, we talk about this in the yeah. show that epi, meaning above, is you literally are above your genes, you, we, what your lifestyle is, and your just overall vitality and your individuality, that determines what's going to show up that your genetic makeup is. You know, you can have two people that have the exact same history. One person, boom, they have crazy adrenal issues related to their brain, and another person just doesn't. Just We just are very different. So no one listening, please don't feel like, oh, I had these issues, now I'm, you know. Yeah, so there's there's yeah. there's an individualism that comes to it, obviously. <laughs> Definitely. And the great thing is that there's, as you just said, there's so much about epigenetics that is healable and fixable and is not permanent that, um, you know, people really can feel better. And so the the biggest thing is the, the hypothalamus is really big on rhythm and routine. And so some of my biggest things for fixing or helping the hypothalamus, the first one is sleep. If somebody's not in a normal circadian rhythm and they're not get hitting their REM cycles and they're not getting about eight hours of sleep, I mean, it really can stress out the hypothalamus. And we all know what it feels like not to have a good night's sleep. So to do it several days in a row or throughout somebody's you know, life um, mm-hmm. can be really, really challenging. And so definitely sleep is like one of the big things that I say. And does that mean like go to bed at 1 a.m. and then wake up at noon or does the time <laughs> matter? No, <laughs> it does matter because of the pineal gland. So the pineal gland, which is also in the brain, is light reactive. This is why we get more tired. Well, you probably don't because you're down in Southern California. Up here in the Pacific True. Northwest where it's pitch black <laughs> at 430 and pouring down rain, we've, we're tired, you know, like my husband and I look at each other like, what is wrong with us? And then I, I'm like, oh, wait, no, it's the pineal gland is putting out melatonin already. <laughs> no wonder I'm tired. The pineal gland, yeah. It's, yeah. it's just so when people say, well, I go to bed at one, just like, you know, I get up at nine, that's eight hours. I'm like, no, no, no. The pineal gland is historically follows light patterns. So you mm-hmm. are designed as a human to go to bed as it gets darker, to, to wind down because that's when melatonin, cortisol goes down, melatonin comes up. And then as it gets lighter, the reverse happens. Melatonin goes down and cortisol comes up. So that's so going to bed at a reasonable hour. <laughs> what time do you tell people you know, to go to sleep? What's a good goal bedtime? I tell them they, I want them as, hopefully asleep by 11, but 10 is ideal. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm like somewhere between 9 and 11. I don't want you getting into bed at 11, and I don't want them on electronics. That's the other pineal sabotager. <laughs> yeah, all that, all, right? All everyone's on social media. They're on their they're on their phone on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They're texting. They're reading articles well, on I've their phone. Or on, I've never done right, that. Before. Never, never. No. I know. I'm laying in bed, and <laughs> my husband's like, "Um, you're killing your pineal gland." I'm like, "Stop listening you're to like, me." You're like, "Shut up! Don't turn my medical <laughs> jokes on me." <laughs> I know exactly. So, okay, so that so blue light from electronics. Mm-hmm. Would you Would you say? I said. I was just I was just reviewing sleep eight hours a night. That's yes. number one. Heal that hypothalamus. Yes. yes, exactly. The other big one is don't skip meals. Blood sugar balance mm. is a huge one because, as we know, blood sugar either if you too much or too little like really screws the system up. And if you're skipping meals or you're not eating real food, and so you're getting a bunch of empty calories, you're going to stress out the hypothalamus because the body's the, the cells are going to be starving for food. They're going to tell the hypothalamus, and the hypothalamus is going to respond, and you get this whole downstream cascade of events. And so yeah. I know all the time on your shows, you know, you really stress about 
healthy eating and regular eating, the kinds of eating, and it's, it truly affects the brain. Mm-hmm. And that's part of that consistency. Your hypothalamus loves routine. So having a routine of, you know, set meals. For me, with, with my, you know, even when I'm really busy at work, we, we close from 1 to 2 o'clock every day. You know, we all eat lunch. We, you know, I, I try to go for a walk every day at lunch and it's, it makes it, it's such a huge difference. The days that I stay and just try to finish charts and, you know, not get my meal and not go for my walk, I'm a whole different doctor that afternoon, you know? So it's, it is really, really huge. It makes a big difference. So note to Dr. Noel's patients, if you see her in the afternoon, ask her if she's eaten. Thank <laughs> Taking you. her walk. I appreciate that. It's for for both of our benefits. (laughs) Right, exactly. And if she hasn't, you might want to think about rescheduling. Yeah, reschedule. I'm good. Thanks. Let's do this next week. It's probably smart. Right. (laughs) Cool. Okay, sleep and eat. Done. So those are are definitely the big ones. Now, obviously, if you have had a traumatic brain injury, there are a lot of – you know, um, like physical therapy type things for the brain that, I mean, you know, concussions need to be dealt with very, very seriously. Um, mm-hmm. That's more than just sleep regularly and eat regularly, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the average person, it's these these stressful behaviors to the body that we don't even realize because as humans, we just push, 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 and we burn the candle at both ends. And the brain is like, yo, I'm trying to do the best I can here, but you right. keep screwing it up. So we, and then as we get older, cause somebody, how many times do you or your friends or your patients say to you, I used to be so much better at this in my twenties. I'm like, well, yeah, cause now we've just spent, I mean, we're not that much older, let's be honest, but, no, um, we're like a little you know, bit. we just, we're just a little tiny bit. Um, <laughs> you know, like you, this, you know, we just added more to it. We didn't never stopped mm-hmm. burning the candle. We never stopped pushing. And so we, we can't handle it like we used to. Yeah, you're like, well, back then you had a 20-year-old hypothalamus, so yeah, exactly. Which Mm -hmm. is why vacation is so important. I was just at a great conference, the methylation conference with Dr. Ben Lynch, and his number one suggestion in the whole conference was to go walk barefoot in the sand. And I was like, okay, okay. Can I get a doctor's note? (laughs) Um, I actually was just in Cancun, so I did. I walked barefoot in Cancun. It was wonderful. Well, I actually did so, beach sprints this morning at the beach. Isn't that cool? See, you're you're doing it too. You see, you're, it's, I just you're started today. <laughs> it's day one, <laughs> but I'm going to brag about it. <laughs> but I want to. I would it never regular. have known. I would have been like, I've been so proud. Like, oh my gosh, Doctor Lou, that's awesome. I know, I know. Sorry, I totally just gave it away. I know. I've been doing it for like <laughs> six months every day. Uh, no, but it's crazy. Even just today, I feel a lot different from just doing that this morning. I love it. Yeah. Well, one, you got your high intensity training in, which is Mm -hmm. so, oh, and that's the other thing too, is that people who do a lot of straight, even keel cardio, you know, people who Mm -hmm. get on the treadmill and do 30 minutes the same um, speed or or elliptical, Mm -hmm. they're pushing themselves into what's called a catabolic state. And the Mm -hmm. catabolic state are the cortisol folks. And so if you want to become in the anabolic state, so the more, um, Lean muscle building, DHEA, less cortisol. Those are the it's it's the weightlifting, resistance training, high intensity training like running barefoot on, or sprinting barefoot on the beach. Because one, you get the barefoot in your sand thing, and two, you get the high intensity thing. Is there so really any benefit to doing the longer cardio at all? They, I mean, it depends. It depends who you look at. It depends who you follow, I guess. 
mm-hmm. um, that some experts say you should or can do it occasionally. It's mm-hmm. obviously not going to hurt you. If you go for a long hike, you know, lots of people love to yeah. go on long hikes or long long walks, that it can be really good for the soul. But like um, those who just get on the elliptical for 45 minutes every day, and, and they're high cortisol or um, they're, you know, cortisol dominant folks, that's probably yeah. not the best exercise for them. Right. Yeah. No, so, I, I mean, love and cardio. I, I always cringe. <laughs> like, like if I have patients who they, they, you know, I look at their intake and they do tons of marathons, half marathons, I always cringe because I'm like, oh, gosh, we have so much repairing to do. But it's really different if you take one person who has a super stressful full-time job who is, you know, single mom and they're doing marathons and half marathons. It's going to be different than someone who – you know, maybe works part time and they have a very low stressful life and they're doing, you know, marathons or half marathons sometimes, right? It's gonna it's it's different yeah. in the two kind of yeah. situations. Yeah. It 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 it's isn't that the same with the way with all health? I mean, I mean mm-hmm. you've just totally nailed it. It's so true. And I'm the same way. When I see people who are like, Well, I marathon for that's my exercise, I'm like, Ooh <laughs> Yeah. Let's see if you can really handle this. Right. <laughs> and sometimes they can. Sometimes, you know, they're like, I'm like, I run their lab work. I'm like, oh, yeah, marathons work for you. Keep going. And other times I'm like, ooh, yeah. how do you feel about lifting a weight <laughs> for yoga? Right. They're like, uh, no. <laughs> and I love that you said that, too, because it's like you're not – we're not all just going to say, oh, marathons are bad, but let's actually run the, the lab work and see what you can tolerate, what's going to be best for you because everybody's so individualized. So that's that's cool. Like some mm-hmm. people do very well with it. Most probably don't. Right, <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, we read all these statistics. I mean, how many times have you had patients like, I don't know what diet to follow. I don't know if I should be gluten-free, paleo, AIP, mm-hmm. you know, all these different things, SCD, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Most of the statistics and stuff are on populations, and you're an individual. So mm, let's, right. let's see what fits the individual needs. Yeah, so, okay, cool. So we talked about sleeping and eating consistently and the type of exercise really makes a difference. What are some other things we can do to kind of heal this whole system? So my biggest, most favorite thing in the whole world, which you know, is to use your no button. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Right? To say, I mean, I know stress happens. I'm, people will challenge me. They'll say, well, I can't quit my job. I can't get divorced. I can't you know, disown my kids. I'm like, no, no, I know that. <laughs> but, but you, it's it's how you respond to it and then how you just don't add more to your plate. If you're already a stressed out person, and remember stress is actual stress, it's perceived stress, and it's anticipated stress. So whether the stress is real in front of you or it's coming or you've made it up in your head because you like to make mountains out of molehills, which we are all guilty of, Um, It doesn't matter. The body responds the exact same. So I'm like, all right, you have to say no. If it doesn't bring you joy, if it doesn't make you happy, and if it's not something you are absolutely totally required to do, then say no, because you're healing right now. You have to heal. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're just going to keep blowing the system. What about if they feel guilty about it? But I can't can't say no. (laughs) I know. Well, I know. That that happens all the time. Yeah. Usually what I say to people is, you know, instead of saying, I don't have time for that, change it mm-hmm. to say it's not a priority. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, okay, I want you to start drinking eight glasses of water a day. I don't have time to drink eight glasses of water. I have to go to the bathroom all the time. Like, well, change it to say it's not a priority. Because mm-hmm. then it makes, it takes away, like, oh, my gosh, it, it should be a priority. Drinking water is a basic need. It should be a priority. Exercise should be a priority. 
Mm, I like that laughing. because you start from I can't do something, which is a very disempowering kind of, you know, like I've given up type of sentence to it's not a priority. And it's like, oh, it's kind of a it, it, it shifts that perspective. It makes you see it a whole different kind of way. Yes. Yep, exactly. And then it allows you to really evaluate that sentence like, huh, maybe I should make this a priority or no, right oh now God. in my life I can't make it right. I'm right. I cannot make this a priority and that's okay with me. But I'm making that that's choice. I'm not letting something week. else choice. Anything else, anything I say this this next week that I say I don't have time for, I'm going to shift it to that's not a priority. I like that. I challenge yeah. you guys listening to do it. Because <laughs> how often it's do we say that I don't have challenge. time to do that? Yeah, we do have time to right. do it's, it. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's a total natural response, right? I don't have time. I don't have time. Yep. The other mm-hmm. big thing, too, is, of course, how many people, and my, I am totally guilty for sure, is when they say, I don't have time for that. I'm like, really? Because I saw you on Facebook for a good 45 minutes. <laughs> So in that 45 minutes, you could have been doing some sort of physical movement, right, or take a nap, go for a walk, Mm -hmm. love on your animal, like something to help your health. Facebook is not helping your health. That happens. I have friends text me like, hey, I asked you this, this, you know, this health question, and I saw you, and I'm like, and it's like, that's because my brain power is done. It's the end of the day. I'm not answering those, (laughs) like, schedule an appointment. Um, But yeah, it's just funny. It's like, I don't have time to. It's like, no, I'm, because I'm on Facebook, and I'm killing time um (laughs) what about meditation where does that come into it or walking oh i think but i think both um walking just general go outside get fresh air walking is great for the brain now i know people who are listening are going to go well walking is cardio what do you mean and um i think there's a difference between um going to the gym getting on a treadmill and just you know doing 30 flat minutes of walking, mm-hmm. but going outside, take a walk in your neighborhood, take a walk on the beach, take your dog for a walk. You know, it's more relaxing, and it gets you some fresh air, and it gets you outside in nature, um, and it's so much better for the system, I think, than, you know, the set goal of I'm going to go elliptical for 45 minutes, and then I will be done with my exercise. Right. It's like, no, no, go walk for you, not walk because you feel forced to exercise. Walk for relaxation. Same with meditation. I think meditation um, is huge. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot of great research about the effect of meditation on the fight or flight response and blood pressure and um, pulse and, you know, just cortisol levels and everything. And I don't have the patience for meditation. I'll be totally honest. So I have an app on my phone. It's a, it's a like eight to 10 minute guided verbal Mm -hmm. meditation because I can't do just the like sit there and think of nothing. And I feel so much better when I do when somebody's telling me about, you know, think of this and think of that. Now imagine this and imagine that, you know, then I can, then it gives me something to focus on and I just relax and let go. Yeah. What's the app? Someday. I knew you were going to ask me that. Hold on. I can tell you. Is it Headspace? Um, hold on. I know of, I know of Calm and I know of Headspace. Breathe. It's called Breathe. Breathe. Literally called breathe. Yep. Stop, breathe, and think. Yep. That's cool. I'm going to try that one. So, and I like that it's short. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm my own worst patient. But I feel better. I do, you know. All you need Mm -mm, is five or ten minutes, and the rest of the day is different. It's true. And research shows that, too. You don't have to, people worry, I can't meditate for an hour. I'm like, no, no, no. Five minutes. Take five to eight minutes and just meditate. For sure. Close your eyes, take deep breaths, belly breaths, you know, proper breathing. It will help. Mm. So, I'm already feeling relaxed. Um, I have a Facebook (laughs) question. This is from Becca. She wants, she knows you're the the hormone queen. She wants to know about 
um, she had blood work done recently, and she saw that she has high SHBG. So, oh what, yeah. What are some some techniques, some tips? I've shared with her some that I know of, but what what are some things that you think can help that situation? Yes. Yeah, so there is some. Um, research that shows there's two herbs that help lower SHBG. Um, one mm-hmm. is Avena, mm-hmm. and the other is Nettle. Cool. I already told and, her about Nettle. Yeah. Good to know. Yep. So both of those have been shown to help lower it. And also I remind people if you have high sex hormone binding globulin, um, if, you're on, if you're on the birth control pill, that will raise it. And if your ground flax seeds can raise it. So if you already have high SHBG, ground flax seeds may make it worse. Mm-hmm. And also and green tea, I've, I've read too. If you do a ton of green tea, that can. I've that can read that too. I have read that too. But it's a lot, not just like a cup, but you ha- it's right. a lot of green tea can do that. Right. Yeah. Which is why green tea, especially um, EGCG, which is the active ingredient in green tea, can lower. People always say, oh, it lowers testosterone, it helps lower testosterone, and it does it because it raises SHBG, and SHBG preferentially binds up testosterone first and estrogen second. Mm-hmm. When you're explaining SHBG to patients, what, what's the analogy you use? Is it like a, like a taxi cab or like a sponge, or what do you, what do you I say, say it's a bus. I say it's a, a bus. big bus. I like the bus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes it depends on the patient because sometimes yeah. I'm like, well, it's like a, it's like a stretch limo. <laughs> it's like an Uber. It's like an Uber. Stretch limo. <laughs> picks you up, gets you off the street. It's like a private jet that goes through your body. <laughs> Pretty much, yep. That's funny. <laughs> Unfortunately, sometimes it won't let you off, and then right. you can't do what you need to do. Yeah, that's important. It's not just about hormones. It's how they behave, and it's how how many free hormones you have, and how they're being excreted, and the liver, and the kidneys, and the fat tissues. There's so much more to it. It's more than just flour so around true. this cream and take you know get rid of your hot flashes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so yeah, true. I know. Which is why you know we in the functional and integrative medicine world are always like, look at the system as a whole. Mm-hmm. You can't how does just this all relate to the gut? What's the what's how does this come into it? You know, I mean, the gut is where it starts, right? Everything yeah. we eat, breathe, drink, and swallow goes right to the gut. So if the gut's mm-hmm. not happy, then it just sets the tone for the rest of the body. And hormones are all screwed up and brain neurotransmitters. You know, most serotonin, which is our antidepressant hormone, is made in the gut. And then if our gut's not happy, if we have a ton of inflammation, that goes up to the brain, the hypothalamus, and says, I'm really inflamed. And so the hypothalamus will, in a lot of people, drive up their total cortisol because cortisol is anti-inflammatory to a point. So sometimes people will get their tests back and they're like, oh my gosh, I have such high cortisol. I need to lower this. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're really inflamed. Your cortisol is actually helping you at the moment. Yeah. Let's, let's address the cause and then come back and address the adrenals. Mm-hmm. Cause I've had we villainize people... cortisol so much now. It's yes. like, oh, cortisol is the devil. Yes. It's like, no, cortisol is there for a reason. Without it, you're dead. So it's yeah. there because it's actually anti-inflammatory. So see why is your cortisol so high? Exactly. And and, and, you'll, and people will feel worse. They'll lower their cortisol on their own or with their other doctor or they'll buy something online and they're like, oh, I feel so much worse. That didn't work. I'm like, no, you actually took away your natural anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Nice job. Love it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, nice job. Good job. Um, see what you did? Um, <laughs> so anything else about this topic that you want to touch on? Anything we haven't really discussed? Um 
I know we flew through like 42 minutes already. I feel like we just started talking, but oh my God. we need to wrap it up. I know it's crazy. Um, so, yeah, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, I would just have to say that um, when it comes to, you know, just again on adrenal testing um, or when people are thinking of the adrenals, that to just keep in mind it's bigger than just the adrenal gland. It's the entire system, and it's dictated by the hypothalamus and the pituitary. So while I completely understand when people say, I have adrenal fatigue, I've been diagnosed with adrenal fatigue, I don't make any cortisol, um, I totally believe the symptoms. I'm sure they don't have any free cortisol, absolutely. But it's like, okay, but why? Like, what? where is the breakdown? What's going on with your system? Make sure your provider has looked over every rock and stone to try to help you and not just pin, just like you said, like, let's not villainize the adrenals and cortisol. Like, let's help it and help the whole system, help the brain function. Yeah, right, for sure. Yeah, get all the information, the whole picture. I love it. And also, if you feel like things haven't been working, you know, if you tried things like licorice or, you know, adrenal glandulars and it's not doing the trick, you know, there's there could be more to it. Get the exactly. full, full thing. Cool, Doc. Well, thank yeah. you. Thanks for joining us. And where where can people keep up with you? Are you still doing your website, or where's how can they um, follow up? It's currently being it's currently under um, under construction, which is I was like, oh, I I should really have figured that out before today's podcast. But they can definitely go and learn more at um, www.dutchtest.com. And there are a whole Dutch test, Dutch, D-U-T-C-H, DutchTest.com. There are a whole bunch of free videos explaining a lot of the things that I just said for people. Um, Anyone can watch them and um, talk about the adrenals, talking about hormones, talking about men's health, female health. And so people can really learn a lot more from the free library if they're interested. Mm -hmm. Cool. And just just curious, it may vary, but what what do these these tests typically run cost-wise? So if so, if a listener, for example, if they um, come and to the website and they just want to mm-hmm. order the test, they can. So for the full complete test, it's three ninety nine off mm-hmm. of our website. Um, but we highly encourage people, of course, to go to a practitioner like yourself, mm-hmm. um, where the pricing is a little bit different. And then, right. the, but then they'll get all the support, of course, um, both from the lab and from you as their provider. Right, get a little more hand-holding so it's not so confusing. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And it all relates to other can... stuff, too. I mean, the gut relates with the hormones, with the brain, with, you know, other things with thyroid. I mean, there's a lot more to it than just this. So getting that yes. picture is helpful. Cool. Yeah. Awesome, Doc. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight and imparting your wisdom. And I'm so excited. I don't have to say bye for long because I'm going to see you in just a few days. So. I know. It's, I, I so Well, thank you for having me on first. And second, yeah, I can't wait to see you at A4M. I know. Awesome. Well, enjoy your night, and I will see you real soon. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, you guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Definitely check out DutchTest.com and check out the hormone testing and the cortisol testing. I'd be happy to run these labs for you guys if you wanted to get some of this information on yourself. Check me out, ShineNaturalMedicine.com, and we'd be happy to set that up. And if you guys love the show, please, please leave a, a review on iTunes. I love to read those. They make my day. And, of course, you can listen to all the previous shows at DrLowRadio.com. And they're all archived there for you. Have a great rest of your week, you guys. Have a wonderful night, and I will check you guys next week. Bye.
North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10.